Mark Hudson Show here on 12radio.com. Changing the way we listen to the world. Hi, everybody. Happy Sunday evening. It's so good to be here with you. I have such exciting news. I think you already know it, though. But just in case you don't, I am in a conference with the amazing Dr. Ken Wapnick. I want to tell you um, that there is nothing that in my life that I have been more excited about up to this point. Ken is a psychologist, a teacher, and one of the most prolific authors of A Course in Miracles uh, that uh, I've ever found. He's been a profound influence in my life, and many of you who are listening will agree with me, who understand and know his work. And I'm going to get out of the way and bring him on with me. Please welcome Dr. Kenneth Wapnick. Hey, Ken, are you with me? I'm with you, Mark. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to I you, too. I think you should get a life. If you think I'm the most important person in your life, we've got to do something about that. <laughs> I do. That's why I'm bringing you on. I get this opportunity to actually change okay. things around. I love that. I have, um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of yours and The Course in Miracles, and, and mostly because it, one of the things that happened to me was the, the, the little part of my life that I knew something wasn't right. And when I um, first found the course, I couldn't really grab it. And I think what you helped me understand was there is a, there was a message in there that was really important. And I know that's true for a lot of listeners. And, and I wanted to, if I get this opportunity in only 30 minutes of my life to spend with you, I wanted to make sure that we could um, get on the same page. Page and get some of the people on the same page about what the course is and and uh, take us into a little some more complex questions as the half hour goes and are you game for me to use you as a reference book at first of course sure anything yeah, hey, awesome. you want to do with me I'm, I'm yours for 30 minutes <laughs> thank you Ken all right so first off the course is replete with words that um, in this day and age put a lot of people off. There's a lot of Christianity talk. There's Jesus. There's the Holy Spirit. There's God. There's a lot of masculine pronouns. Can you clear that up for us? Are we talking about the the same biblical guy um, so people understand when they're opening it what they're looking at when they see that? Uh, not at all. Actually, I think that that's one of the interesting about paradoxical things about the Course, that, that its language is, uh, is very biblical, uh, certainly very, very Christian, uh, but his teaching is exactly the opposite of what you find in the Bible or traditional Christianity. Uh, I always emphasize in my teaching that the Jesus of the Course is not the teaching, uh, is, is not the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, their thought systems are entirely uh, antithetical to each other. Uh, but I think that the reason for the Course's language being what it is, is that for over 2,000 years, 2,100 years now, uh, Christianity has been the most dominant influence in the Western world and unfortunately the Eastern world too now. And uh, it has not been very Christian, you know, as the Course itself says. Yeah. And so a, a major theme of the Course is to correct the errors in the form in which they appear. And so uh, the Course comes in a Christian language to, in one sense, arouse all the uh, unforgivenesses uh, that people have around Christianity, uh, Christians, Jews, atheists, Muslims, uh, and offering them an opportunity to look at all that in a different light and forgive it. So yes. I think that the use of the language is intentional. Uh, okay. It's really can be off-putting. Yeah, and I think that, that I love what you said about the idea. Of, sometimes it, it's almost like the first forgiveness hurdle is if we can if we can rewire what the name Jesus or the Holy Spirit uh, means to us in a, in a way to hear it in a loving capacity. What what an accomplishment for many of us. I know it was for me. Um, mm-hmm. I know Helen in, in in absence from Felicity which I loved, by the way, and thanks for writing that, because I felt like I really got to walk with you during the Helen times. And um, what a character. And I, um, and I know that she 
oftentimes felt, and I related to this, embarrassed whenever um, somebody asked what she was doing or who she was hearing. Because Helen, as many people in the audience know, was the scribe of the course. And she would hear, if I'm wrong, Ken, in any of my accounts, please correct me, but she would hear the voice of Jesus different than channeling. She actually heard a voice like a recording and it would stop and pick up when she was ready to take notes. And she was always in a great space done when, when she was done with the writing or usually. And when people ask her what she did, she had a little bit of embarrassment about it saying I'm writing stuff, you know, for Jesus. Cause you see, in our culture, it's sort of embarrassing. And I, and I find that true with me too, because, um, I, I use it so much personally, but when I go public with it, it's kind of like out. And I mean, do you find that normal? <laughs> Are we, is that like a bad thing? <laughs> What's the it? Is Jesus a bad thing? Is is being uh, embarrassed? Sure. embarrassed? Uh, no, I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing. I think it's just, just another part of our, our forgiveness process. Uh, okay. You might have heard the story that uh, Helen once was uh, was complaining to me about how Jesus wasn't helping her, and so I said, "For why don't you ask him?" You know, instead of asking me, ask him how come he doesn't help you more. And so she did, and his answer was because she's so ashamed of me. And uh, the thing of shame, the thing of embarrassment, is really a defense. And for Helen Cooley, it was a defense against the great love that she felt for him. Gotcha. Uh, another major defense, of course, for her was that she she, she really hated him and got, got really worked up uh, against him. Uh, but that too was a defense against his deep, deep abiding love that she had for him. Uh, gotcha. So that that the embarrassment and shame people feel about that, uh, I think, is a defense. Uh, you know, the course says that that the name of Jesus Christ is but a symbol, but it's a symbol of a love that is not of this world. And I think that's the real fear that everyone has, that if they could relate to that love. After all, in the end, Jesus is as much a symbol as we are, but we're a symbol of separation, and he's a symbol of love and oneness. Um, wow. and, that, and I think it's that fear that if I allow myself to be in the presence of that love, that my specialness would disappear, my individual, individuality would disappear. Everything that I, I have held dear, my anger, my grievances, my past abuses, all my specialness, all that would disappear, and that's the fear. And it masquerades as shame or embarrassment, but underlying it is the real fear of, of who Jesus represents, and he, he ultimately represents our true self. Right, which is our... And I think that's the problem people have with Jesus, and they use the biblical Jesus and the Jesus of their, of their history uh, as an excuse, really, for, for turning away from that love. Gotcha. So, Ken, in, in, if I were to summarize... The course, and I'll, and I, I, I here's here's my summary of in a really quick the in the mythological sense. There was a there's an extreme profound loving force God that extends because love extends and creates the sun, which is um, w- w- what love does. It extends, it creates the sun, which we call the sonship. Now, in that there's a there was a moment in the sun's mind uh, that. Almost like a, a, a tiny mad idea that what if I was separate from this? And in that moment, there was a there was a choice made available to us to um, believe in that we could be, or to stay in the in the lap of God, so to speak. And we chose the the loud voice of the egos who had a promise, who was speaking really loud, because of course the. The, the truth was we couldn't separate. So the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, is muted, doesn't say much because there's nothing really happening. It's a dream. It's an illusion. Um, is that part, can I, can I get away with that part of the story? Yes, you can. Sure. That's kosher. Okay. Good. And then, 
so now here we are in the in a fragmented world with a broken promise or a belief that a we bought into the idea that we could do this we could separate from god for real that god's really angry and that there's some hope here in this planet if we keep moving forward that there's a uh maybe a hope that we could make it on <laughs> on our own uh with uh, the the seek and never find principle of the ego as long as we keep listening the course is saying that we have an opportunity through uh, the act of true forgiveness, and I want to talk to you about the definition of that too, to re- to wake up again. And the reason we don't wake up again is because we became truly attached to our individuality, to our sense of identity as an ego, as a person. Um, am I okay so far? And I, do you have anything? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're doing great. I'll shut up. You talk to this. No, no, no. Because what I want to know is the terror. You speak a lot about terror uh, of why we just don't wake up. Because a lot of people go, why don't you just wake up? And you talk a lot about the terror of realizing how attached we are to individuality. Would you say that in a nutshell, the Course's purpose of forgiveness is to get us to gently start remembering that so we can get strong enough to, to wake up? Absolutely. The Course talks about how, how we can't go from, from nightmares to awakening, because it talks about a, a scream of mortal terror would become, uh, rise up in us. And so what we need are, are gentle, happy dreams that are the intervening steps, and that's what forgiveness is. That, uh, that at our own pace, so that we don't get, get terrified by disappearing into the oneness. Uh, so that what, what happens is rather than automatically kind of transcending our ego and disappearing into the heart of God, we, we transform ourselves so that rather than being guilty and hateful and depressed and angry all the time, we now become more peaceful and kinder, more loving. And so these are the gentle steps, and that's what, what forgiveness is. And that's uh, why and, we practice it, so that we can get and has, m- yes. more and comfortable. We practice it day in and day out, uh, as often as we can, can remember. And when we forget, it's only because we're afraid, that's all. So then let's let's define forgiveness. I know that there's a thing the Course calls, um, I think it might be in the Song of Prayer that she did an addendum to, um, forgiveness to destroy, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to true forgiveness. Can you talk about those? Uh, sure. Uh, well, forget, forgiveness to destroy, which uh, the pamphlet does uh, talk about, it's described in the in the text and the workbook of the Course itself, but but not. But the phrase itself is only used in the Song of Prayer. Gotcha. Uh, that... that oh, when we forgive to destroy, what we're really doing is reinforcing the dualistic dream that that we believe is our home. That that you're someone who has sinned, but but in the goodness of my heart, I forgive you. And so there's no real joining, and there's no real perception uh, or vision of sameness. And in fact, when the Course talks about vision or Christ's vision, it's the vision that sees that despite all the seeming differences that would keep us apart, uh, deep down we're all the same. We have the same mind, the same wrong mind, right mind, and decision-making mind. And so in that sense, we're all the same. Forgiveness to destroy says we're different. You're, you're the sinner, I'm not, but... I forgive you. Uh, forgiveness, as the Course is talking about it, what we could say is the genuine forgiveness, is, is realizing that no matter what you have done or have not done to me or people I identify with, you have not taken the peace or the love of God away from me. That's the key element in forgiveness. When the Course says you forgive your brother for what he hasn't done, it doesn't mean he hasn't necessarily, in the eyes of the world, attacked you 
or, or, or stolen from you or done unconscionably cruel things to you, what it means is that on the level of the mind, the peace of God that is in everyone's mind, in our right mind, that is forever there, that can't be taken from us. We could choose to forget about it and choose to defend against it, but nobody has the power to take that from us. They could do whatever they, they may choose to do with our bodies, but you know, another major course theme is that we're minds and not bodies. And so hmm. the love in our mind, in our right mind, is always there. So when I forgive you, a genuine forgiveness is coming from the recognition that, that the love in my mind has not been attacked by you, and you and I remain the same. So perhaps hmm. you had a bad day and you became afraid of love and you said something unkind, but that doesn't negate the fact that you and I are still the same. The same right-minded correction is in you as it is in me. Yeah, oh, I love so that. nothing has changed. Okay, so um, all my the, so forgiveness to destroy is where I I feel more superior in that moment. I've separated myself. I'm in my ego mind, and I go, you know, you really did mess up, but I'm the bigger person here, and I and I and I'm forgiving you. I hear that all the time. I do it all the time, actually. Um, so then, thank you for that explanation. That was beautiful. There was a moment in uh, absence from Felicity where I think you might have been, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, let me know, but might have been a little disturbed at the way they were dealing with the Holy Spirit, who to me is my favorite character of all in the course because I – I, I mean, I love the relationship to Jesus. I know in a way they're one and the same uh, in different forms, but I do love, I do, I just have a good connection there. And I remember they would be trying to get taxis in New York and they, and they would call, invoke, you know, the Holy Spirit and get their taxi. And I think at one point you maybe talked to Helen about, it. you think that's the best way to use the Holy Spirit? And she wrote about it. And, and I think about a lot, uh, that representing um, here we created a, a world to separate ourselves from God as a, as a sort of hiding from God, a place of protection. And then we invoke help to make this place that we actually built to hide from God a better place to stay in. Is that kind of right. like what we see everywhere? I mean, is that what... That's exactly right. I mean, the, the whole idea of the Course, as I mentioned briefly a moment ago, is that we're minds and not bodies. And the Holy Spirit is in our mind. In fact, you know, he, he, he's not a person. Uh, he, he, is a, he is a presence, he's a right-minded presence of, of the truth that's in our mind. I, I sometimes describe him as he's the memory of God's love that we took with us into the dream when we fell asleep. Wow. And, yeah. but, he, but he's in the mind. And the whole purpose of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit or with Jesus, both of whom are symbols, again, for that right-minded correction, is, is that they remind us that the world that we see outside, as the Course says, is an outside picture of an inward condition. That, that is a projection. And the inward condition is the decision-making mind that is chosen either the ego or the Holy Spirit as his teacher. So, I mean, that's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where Jesus is. That's where we are, except we think we're in the world. And so, just as you pointed out, when, by bringing Jesus or the Holy Spirit into the world and asking them to do things for us here, you know, uh, uh, get us a parking space, get us a relationship, get us, get us a job, heal us of cancer, solve the problem in the Middle East. Uh, whether it's something relatively large or relatively small, what we're really doing is making it impossible for them to help us. Because their help is to remind us, again, that the world we see is an outside picture of an inward condition and to bring us back within. In fact, that's what the, the Course is called, the Course in Miracles, because the miracle is the Course's name for the process of bringing our attention from outside in the world and body to, to the mind, so we could change our minds. But if we keep seeing God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or any other symbol as involved with us in the dream in the world, then there's no hope. 
And, and this is another place where, where you could see the, the clear distinction between the Course and the Bible. Because yeah. the Bible is all about being involved with the world. I mean, God created the world to begin with. He's very much involved with the world. <laughs> That's he sends right. his only son in, into the world as a body. Uh, and it's on and on. It's all about the body. It's all about God's intervention in the world. And that's diametrically opposed to, to everything the Course teaches. So it, it doesn't mean necessarily the Course is better than the Bible, just saying that it's a different spirituality. Yeah, and do you think that the... Um, so if we, could, if we were to invoke one prayer would, in, in, in the form of anything, would it be, please, like, is it like, help me see this differently or... Bring me to sure. my right mind. Is that uh, yeah, anything like that? Yeah, or or or, or simply say help, and the help meaning uh, help, help me not give this power to affect me. You know, the uh, uh, there's a very important line near the end of chapter 27 uh, about the tiny male idea at which the Son of God remembered not to laugh. And that's a very important line, because that tiny man idea, which is the thought we could be separate from, from our Creator, that tiny man idea, which is the, ends up being the birth of the ego, is not the problem. The problem is that we took it seriously, that no. we remembered not to laugh. And so I think what our prayer always ought to be, in whatever words we use, but the content of that prayer is, help me not give the world power to affect me. Right. Let me, and that's what the Course means by not taking it seriously or meeting the world and what goes on in the world with the Holy Spirit's gentle laughter. Wow. It's the laughter that says, there's a line that says, it is a joke to think that time can come to circumvent eternity, which means there is no time. The thought that we could be separate from our source, the thought that we could be separate from each other is so preposterous that the only sane response to that is that gentle laughter that says, how silly. Uh, but we take uh, everything seriously, and that's the purpose of the world, to, and that's the purpose of the body, that, that we take ourselves very seriously. And if I take myself seriously as a body, or I take you seriously as a body, or the world seriously as a body, then I, I, I don't know I'm the mind. And if I don't know I'm the mind, I, I can't change it. I can't and change that's it. That's the bottom line of the ego. If I can't change my mind, then my original decision to be an ego is preserved forever. It's and the and the ego kind of wants us to stay to forget that we have a choice here, right? I mean, it's sort of like we're and the, is that kind of like um? I mean, is it sort of? I don't mind people wanting to preserve the earth and care for Mother Earth and all that, but in a way, isn't that kind of like um, worshiping a body too? I mean, well, it, yes, it is if you take it seriously, you know. Uh, Despite what the Course says, we do identify as bodies. And very early on in the text, Jesus says that that's a particularly unworthy form of denial to, to make believe we don't have a body. Okay. And so we're not asked to deny our bodies. We're not asked not to fulfill our roles and responsibilities that normal people do, because that's the classroom we chose. What is important is that as we fulfill those roles and responsibilities, or become members of causes, whatever the cause is, uh, an ecological cause, environmental cause, political cause, social cause, whatever it is, that, that we do so with the understanding that this is a classroom in which I learn not to see another's interests as separate from my own. Even if I see them, even if I'm tempted to see them as the bad guys. Okay. Know, that, and that's the lesson. That, so it's not that you don't get involved with things of the world, because you can't help that as bodies. And we still think that, that we're bodies. So the gentle steps that we talked about earlier are those gentle steps that, that, that don't tell me to deny my experiences here or my relationship with you as a one person to another, but to deny that this has any effect on the love and peace of God within me. And if, hmm. and if, if, if I do identify with that love, then everybody must be included because we're all the same, and in the end we're all one. So no wow. one can be excluded from that love. You know, there's that passage that says, cast no one out. 
So we can't cast anyone out from the from our circle of atonement. Gotcha. And and that's the key thing in practicing this course to kind of not not justify our attempts to exclude people or or, or rationalize our judgments or criticisms of people, but to, but to realize that's just another expression of our fear. And and the course talks about four obstacles to peace. Is is the fear of God still the biggest one? <laughs> well, that's the last. Yes, that's the <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the last one. I know. And it, I mean, it's, it's the identification with the body. It's the not wanting peace at all. And then there was something about the um, fear of death or the not fear of death. <laughs> no, it's the attraction of death. The, the attraction. The third obstacle to peace is the attraction of death, and and we think of it that that we're afraid of death, but. But it's the attraction of death, because if death is real, it means the body is real. And if the body is real, it means the thought system of the ego that made the body is real. And if all that is real, it means I am real and God is not. So even though death seems to be something we're afraid of, underlying that is that yearning desire to prove that we're right and God is wrong. Whoa, gotcha. Well, there's so, you know, it just, and it leads me into the concept of guilt and also why people don't turn to the Course in Miracles, because it's not an easy study to realize a, a million things. One, that you're, that you're not special. And in fact, that you're not. And, um, that there, we carry a ton of guilt. And I, and I, one of the most profound things I heard you say was the creation of time was in the idea of sin, guilt, and fear. And, um, we're sin being we did something in the past that was wrong. Guilt being we feel, uh, uh, bad for it in the present, and that calls for um, punishment from the future. And so we live in this state of we're always ready to be attacked by God, by everybody. And um, it's just not an easy course. And I think is guilt. So is guilt. I mean, it seems like it's just in there, like for everything. <laughs> well, well, guilt is the problem. You know, there, there's that line that says uh, the world's a delusional system of those made mad by guilt. Yes. I, you know, if you had to choose one term to epitomize the ego system that holds the whole thing together, it's guilt. Because guilt says, I've sinned in the past, sin is real, and I'm afraid of the future. And, yes. and the future ultimately is going to mean punishment by my death. And so the whole, the, the whole thought system of the ego is encapsulated in guilt. Wow. And, and guilt is, a, but the other thing to really keep in mind about guilt is that, is that it's, it's something that we decide. It's not, it's not who we really are. The guilt is a decision and is a defense just like everything else is. Yes. Because guilt says, I'm not as God created me. Because if I am as God created me, then there's no place in heaven for my individual self. Yeah. Oh, and so, gotcha. So, so to preserve that, I have to, I have to believe that the separation actually happened, and guilt is what does that. And then, of course, we do, we preserve the guilt by by projecting it out and making other people guilty by getting angry at them. And in a way, that's yeah. our way of saying, "Look, God, they're worse than me. <laughs> so don't right. come after that's me." Exactly, yet. That's exactly what we do. Wow. Um, the the there's a lot of people listening in that. Um, that love, they do a lot of work with angels, uh, angel therapy practitioners, people who just love angels in general. And there's a passage in the course that was, uh, one of our, that's gonna, a woman that's gonna come on with me later, uh, after you leave, uh, CA, who wrote that there's a passage about, um, uh, angels light the way or lead the way. Is that, can you help us understand the difference? Is that a difference? Are they, are they acknowledging the existence of angels? No, no, no. I mean, and the course is clear that, it, you know, it, it says God is and then you cease to speak because in his oneness there's nothing else. Well, if God is perfect oneness, then you can't have anything differentiated that's real. Meaning you can't have, you can't have animals, you can't have rocks, you can't have vegetables, you can't have homo sapiens, you can't have angels, you can't have anything because it's all part of the illusion. 
Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that angels are not very important symbols for people, that they're like Jesus or, or Mary or the Holy Spirit or, or lots of other uh, symbols, that angels are symbols of God's loving thoughts. Okay. And, and so, but they are symbols. It's, it's really important to understand that, the symbols. You know, I, I always emphasize to people that developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit with Jesus is very important. Uh, and who worked the same way with angels. But at some point, you have to recognize that in the end, Jesus falls away. The Holy Spirit falls away. Angels fall away. Because we fall away. When we yes. really learn our forgiveness lessons and accept the atonement for for ourselves, which means there's no more guilt, there's no more projection, uh, there's no more identity as a separated self, then there's only one voice. Yeah. And that voice is our voice, and it's the collective voice of the sun. And so, but until we reach that point, we need symbols. And so the angels are very loving symbols. You know, they've been that way for, for, for millennia. But the mistake would be only from the perspective of the Course. You know, the Course says there are thousands of, uh, many thousands of other paths. Uh, so, of course, only one path, but within that path, angels, would, would, as symbols, would still be illusory. Gotcha. All right. Like everything. Um, like everything. Yes. That, that makes sense. Now, the, the one place I know that the ego attacks first because we've identified with it is our bodies, and that brings up the issues of health. Um, I received a letter from somebody that it just seemed – I wanted to bring it to you because it seemed like it was something that maybe could apply to everyone. A very young male, 23 years old, uh, riddled with nightmares his entire life, um, scared he's going to die, scared that he will never know rest – doesn't know how to, how do you address things like that? And he was, he was asking for course advice, you know, and it's like, cause he asked for help. He doesn't know what to do, but every time he goes to bed at night, he wakes up screaming in terror. Um, what, what do we say? I mean, how do we address it? Well, it's always difficult to, to address a, a specific problem like that without knowing yeah. more about the person. You know, early on in the text, uh, there's a passage which actually was, was meant to correct what we could call the Christian science era. That that was a mistake to to consult doctors or take medicines, and and and, and there Jesus talks about a compromise approach between miracle and magic. Yes, uh, the miracle being the changing of one's mind from guilt to forgiveness, and magic being anything that alleviates pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. Yes. So if someone is kind of having trouble sleeping, having nightmares, is in a state of anxiety, there's absolutely nothing wrong in taking some kind of, kind of medication which could help alleviate the anxiety sufficiently so the person then is free to then work on whatever the forgiveness level Whatever the, are, exactly. Because, because that underlying guilt would ultimately be the source of that. Okay. I mean, all too often, people who are still studying the course, especially at the beginning of their work with it, you know, avoid very simple, normal things because they, they feel it's a sin against the holy course. If they, you know, if they go to a doctor, if they enjoy sex, if they enjoy a nice meal, if they get married, if they have a job, I mean, that, you know, you're not supposed to do that because it makes the body real, and they don't realize that they've already made the body real by fighting against it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, the very uh, thing I'm trying to not make real. I made real. Through all the years of my wife Gore and I have been teaching, we always would emphasize to people be normal. Yes. You know, and normal people do normal things, but they but as you grow in the course, you do it more and more peacefully. So in terms of anyone who's suffering from any kind of emotional pain or, or physical pain, I would say, you know, don't be afraid of using that compromise approach. Think whatever, seek out whatever forms of magic would help you, but at the same time, also work on changing your mind. Yes. And you could do both. 
And, and one of the things, especially with people in our industry, the new age industry is, um, the idea of guilt that I created this. I mean, I think one of the big damages of the secret was it just made us even more individualized and separate. And this idea that I now made my body sick, so I'm bad. And it just sort of had a horrible backfiring effect. And there's no more, there was very little compassion for people who were sick for a while there in my industry. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's, that's, that's really true. I think the problem with those kinds of approaches is that it ends up making the world very real. Uh, yes. You know, the Course sees the world as, a, as a, a classroom in which we learn there is no world. And what's important is not what happens to us in the world, what, what's important is what happens to us in our mind, you know, what we choose. And I think uh, those, those kinds of approaches, like The Secret, well, they could be very, very helpful to people. Again, from the perspective of the Course, they end up making the world real. They end up making us think in, in a, a real spirit of arrogance that we know what's best for us or That's for right. other people. Yeah. And how, do, how does a person know that uh, the mind's choice for sickness is a bad thing? Maybe it's a classroom that would save the person a thousand years. Wow. Or, I love or, that. Or the mind's choice for poverty or the mind's choice for whatever circumstance we may not think is, is holy or spiritual may be the classroom, which would not only help that person save all those uh, like a thousand years, but save all those people who know this person. Wow. It, it, it could be a very, a very powerful teaching classroom as well as learning. That's a, that's a perfect you know, idea. You know, the course is so adamant about not judging. Yeah, you know, there's no way we can know what's best for ourselves or anybody else. That's so good. And I can we have we have one minute and thirty seconds left, and I want to ask you one minute if, and thirty seconds. I, uh, no, I don't I have know. enough time. I, I have two and a half minutes. I have to say something really important. <laughs> no, no, no. There. We'll make it easy. I all I want to know is if if there was like if people were going to dive into the course and study, and we were never going to be able to ask you another question, what thought would you want to leave us with? I mean, would it be just? Um, would you say laugh more? Would you say connect? Uh, I, I would say lighten up. Lighten uh, up. You know, I would have them read. The beginning of workbook lesson 155, I will step back and let him lead the way. And it talks about that how when you're in your right mind, you look like everyone else, but you smile more frequently and your forehead is serene. Uh, so you want to you want to lighten up in terms of not and lighten up with the course too. Don't don't take it that seriously. Don't take it like people have taken the Bible. See oh, yeah. it as a way of helping you get back into your mind or not to take the, the ego's world seriously. And the only thing that is serious is forgiveness. But the practice of forgiveness always has to be with that gentle smile. With that gentle smile. That's so beautiful. I, I um, want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You're such a busy man. You're prolific. Oh, We're all watching you. Uh, maybe maybe you'll consider coming back for another half hour if we're really good. Uh, I won't hold you to it. But I thank you, Ken, for coming. I'd be happy to, Mark. If you're nice to me, I'll come back. I'll be nice. I promise. Give a big hug to Gloria. Thank you so much for everything you do. We'll talk again, I hope. Thanks, Ken. Okay, thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Wow, that's amazing. I am on a cloud nine, and we are going to take a five-minute break. And we ain't done. You got to stay with us. We're going to bring CA, the amazing CA, on. Woo! I'm going to go eat something because that's a high ground in, and then I'll get some forgiveness happening. But thank you all for being a part of this. This is Mark. We'll see you in about five minutes. I need another place Will there be peace I need another world 
still have too many dreams Never seen the light I need another world A place where I can go the sea I'm gonna miss the snow I'm gonna miss the bees I miss the things that grow I'm gonna miss the trees the sound I miss the animals I'm gonna miss you all You heard it first here on 1-2 Radio Where did I hear it first? Here on 1-2 Radio Changing the way you listen to the world Simple Tales. Are you looking for a little balance in your life? How about love? Well, look no further. This month our focus is on Libra, the sign of peace, harmony, love, balance, and relationships. Not only is the sun in Libra, but Libra plays host to Venus, the love goddess, Saturn, the planet of commitment, and Mercury, the planet of communication. There is no reason not to get on board with creating the life and relationship of your dreams. You can catch me on Simple Tales every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 Eastern, discussing astrology and spiritual alchemy, here on 1-2 Radio, changing the way we listen to Hi everyone, this is Mark Husson, host of the Power Peak Hour, and I'd like to tell you about 12listen.com. Built on a dream I had to bring safety to the self-help industry, 12listen houses a handful of the world's most gifted psychics, astrologers, and intuitives, each striving to bring comfort and reassurance, even when the planets have a different idea in mind. 12listen isn't just a site, it's a haven, and I'm an intimate part of it. Nothing compares to the feeling of relief that comes from wise counsel. 12listen.com. Come talk to us. Nothing beats expansion, especially when we're talking about expansion of the mind, expansion of your spirit. You can find expansion in abundance at 12academy.com. We have classes on anything and everything. Get over there. You don't have to leave home. Just dial in, relax, broaden your horizons. You can be in your pajamas. Nobody's going to know. All at 12academy.com. Discover more. We all have a quiet voice inside that offers guidance and wisdom. Sometimes it's hard to hear that voice with all the other noise in the world. This is Laura Lozano, and I'm going to show you how to turn up the volume in your life. Let's get that voice loud and proud so you can start living your life with passion and purpose. So if you are ready to turn it up, join me for Laura Out Loud on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific on 1-2 Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. 
consciously in my heart, breathing through the every moment, here in between your love and joy, and nestled within dreams untouched, I find all things possible. All things possible. All things possible. All things possible. All things really are possible. Hi, I'm Valerie, advisor at One Two Listen. Together, let's explore the possibilities surrounding your situation. Call me for a reading at 12listen.com. I'm Kelly Whetstone, and you are a divine being, limitless and perfect, deserving of every good thing you can imagine. Sometimes that's hard to remember, but it is the truth. And the purpose of my show, Empowerment, is to help you connect to that truth, expand the awareness of who you really are, and allow that awareness to work for you in your day-to-day life. Please join me every Tuesday at noon Pacific here on 1-2 Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. You're listening to The Mark Husson Show here on 1-2-Radio.com, changing the way we listen to the world. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Wow. I hope that you got to enjoy that. And if not, we're going to, if you missed it for any reason, we're going to have um, some archives here happening soon. I put my archives at this time over at markhusson.com, uh, the, the website that I have, just so that we can, um, it, you, everything can be in one place with the radio shows that I do, both on Hay House and on One Two Radio. So thank you. I'm still coming down from the fact that I just got to talk with the guy that I find um, most influential in my life. Uh, he is as sweet um, on the phone and on the back end as he is in public, and it just blows my mind. I also get the great honor of having one of the most, the other most prolific person I know. She writes you every week, the Power Peak dailies, and with a with great words at the top. And uh, she's uh, one of the people that you will know as a grand astrologer, someone with her radio show, Simple Tales, every Tuesday, right after the Radley show. Uh, please welcome C.A. Brooks. C.A. Hey, Mark. It's we, great to be with you tonight. Me too. You. We get to do a show together. It feels so long ago that you got to join me at Hay House for a very brief moment in time. And I feel like it's long overdue that we get to talk, and especially because of the Course in Miracles, that um, I feel such a kindred sh- uh, ship with you. I got to tell everybody my story with you and the Course. Um, CA borrowed a book. Of, no, I think she bought the book, whatever, of mine that I kind of insisted I nudged her into Disappearance of the Universe. And she read it. And after reading that, that's Gary Renard's book on the Course, which honors Ken Wapnick really remarkably. And it's a really well done book. If you don't know about the Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles, and you want to dive in, one of the ways to do it is through Gary's book, uh, Disappearance of the Universe. That'll get your appetite really wet. Then you jump over to the book that Helen actually scribed. When I wanted to talk to Ken about the uh, iamic pentameter, well, CA reads it, comes back in, buys A Course in Miracles, which I have still yet to be able to get completely through, and reads it cover to cover and gets it. And so I don't care what anybody says. That to me is like a mind that's amazing. And I'm so glad because we, it has really connected me with her in that course way. And so, CA, I just think that's still amazing. I'm still blown away that you were able to do that, how you could even stay awake through some of those passages. 
Oh man, I well, you know, you and I, you and I have had so many conversations about this, and I do tell the story. But the part that Mark left out is that I was so resistant; I did not want to buy that book. I did not want to read it, and he goes, "Oh yeah, read it, read it." So I, I take it with me on on this business trip, and the truth is, I ended up having one of the worst weeks of my life, and I was furious at Mark, and I mean furious she because was. I was because I didn't take any reading material except for that book, The Disappearance of the Universe. And I hated it. I mean, I absolutely hated it. And I was so mad. And I literally had the book in my hand and I said, I'm going to put this in the trash can. This is just a pile of crap. (laughs) And I stopped myself and I said, when was the last time you got this mad about a book? And I also realized I couldn't stop reading it. And, you know, it's like, and the course kind of has that effect on you. You know, it really can make you angry. And, I mean, it, it still does because the reason I was angry is because what the book was pointing out is, guess what? You know, a lot of this is your responsibility in that it's your perception. And you can kick and scream and be angry and you can keep doing this or you can do what Ken said, which is you can change your mind. You can make a different decision. You can either choose to live your life with the ego or you can use the Holy Spirit or your higher consciousness or whatever you want to call it, your right mind, and you can do something different. And it was like I didn't want somebody telling me that my perceptions were my issue. And so, but he's right. I got back, when I got back into town, I called Mark that very day. And without even telling him who I was, I called him at the store and I said, you've got my attention. And he said, you read the book. And I I used some profanity. I want you guys to know that. (laughs) I used some profanity and I said, yes, I did. And now I have to read The Course in Miracles. And so, I, you know, but it wasn't a matter of, you know, staying awake or anything else. It's, I mean, I guess what I want people to know is I know The Course is not for everybody. But for me, it was like coming home. Reading that book, and I continue to read it every single day. I read sections. It's like it's the voice of reason. It's the voice of wisdom. It's the voice of comfort. It's it's what makes sense to me. And I just, um, you know, it just almost brings me to, in fact, sometimes it just brings me to tears because it is just coming home to what I know is truth. Yeah, it's so amazing. When I think when, when it's so complex and so simple at the same time, and I think that so it's not, it isn't for everybody. There are just, it's just sometimes too hard to get um, people some of it is really threatening to the to the personality. I know for me, as somebody with a lot of Scorpio and who has looked at the world as a place of desolate betrayal, <laughs> you know, like going, I don't want this place. I really don't want it here. And because I think some of the slights are, you know, were triple hard for me. Certain things were just a little too difficult. I just didn't have it. And there were times when it's just like, ugh. And then when I realized that that was an oak that wasn't that was a normal reaction to someone who had lost their home or felt that they had lost their home their profound original home and um as i started so blessed to have found the tape of ken he's been talking for so long he's so prolific and i do have books i want to talk to you all about giving away but um he was um his voice went into my brain and in 1982 i discovered these tapes when he did a visit in denver and um it was about how can you believe that God is a loving and divine force 
And how can you believe he would leave you here? And it just like ever since then, I was like, thank you. (laughs) 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 And I think as I studied and as I, and I'm not vigilant student, I'm a really bad course student. I mean, I have images of, well, I'm about to get mad at somebody. I actually see that winged dove image of a court of a Holy (laughs) spirit, like flying out the door. Okay. I'm out here because I'm about to lose it. And I'm not really the best for doing that because it's like, there's just a little too much passion. And, but it was one of those things that sank in and, when I finally met Gary Renard and he was teaching, you know, uh, the course the way I had learned it, because a lot of people teach the course, a different version of the course. Like you bring all that stuff here to make the world a better place. And I, you know, just, I never believed that. But Gary was the first in a long line of people's voices of the course. I thought that said, um, you know, he, he's listened to Ken, you know, and was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find that, um, do you have like a, he says like it takes daily work and I do feel a little lazy there. I mean, do you, do you do some daily work with your work in the course of forgiveness? CA? Uh, yeah, I would say I do. And I mean, one is because that's the most grounding thing I have. I mean, I do two things in the morning. Well, I drink coffee in the morning, but uh, <laughs> I, I get my cup of coffee and I read something from the course in miracles. And then I read something from Kathleen Peterson's book. Um, we are here for you, which are, you know, light beings. And so I know they're illusions. I mean, Ken just said that. But, you know, I read the course every morning just because it's the most grounding information. And it's like whatever I pick up, whether or not I'm reading the text or whether or not I'm reading the workbook, it's like that's what I needed to hear that day. Because the other great thing about the course is it's worth it to read the entire text. It is certainly worth it to go through every single of those workbook lessons. But it's also very holistic. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you can just pick it up. It's like a hologram. Yes, it's a hologram. And so the truth is there, you know, in in whatever part you're reading, the truth is there right in that moment. Now, granted, it helps if you've got the entire context to pull from, but it's just there. Yes, and it, I think what's really fun about that is um, the Ken is a classical musician or a lover of classical music, and he talks a lot about the references of um, how classical music, will, like Beethoven, was his spiritual teacher, and how you'll have this little coda or you'll have this little maybe introduction that keeps finding its theme throughout, and it just it starts with a theme, goes into a whole different thing, and then you hear that theme again. And he's mm-hmm. like, that's what the course does. It sort of ravels around you in different ways. Uh, and, and you keep hearing that theme again, you know, forgiveness, mm-hmm. the, the idea of um, forgiveness be the kind of forgiveness that's like nothing's wrong here. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's not like I get to forgive you. It's just like they're really I see nothing wrong. And I'm really bad at that. I'm working right. on. Well, and, you know, I just thank you so much, I mean, for on multiple levels, certainly for introducing me to the course, but just for having Ken on tonight, just listening uh, to him. Like, you know, the things that he says that are so wonderful are things like, be normal. Yeah. You know, I forget that. It's like, just be normal. And Laugh. lighten up. Yeah. Lighten up. Don't take it so seriously, because that's really what we've done. We've taken it so seriously, and we it's forget true. To laugh and 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 I just love that and you know if you would allow me I want to say a couple more things about angels or the light beings or whatever yeah. and it kind of goes back to I mean you know here's here's the thing about the course guys it's tough it's tough to swallow it because the basic premise is there is no world we are living in a dream 
that we are dreaming. There is no world. God didn't make the world. And so even the Course, which we, you know, once again, we're kind of idolizing the Course and saying that Jesus wrote the Course as sort of a correction for some of the misguided information that we had. But it comes back to, you know, a few years ago, Ken was in Denver, and I went to hear him in an audience for a couple of days. It was a workshop. And I'll never forget it because, of course, people are shooting questions, and he's saying, Jesus this and Jesus that, and yes, this is what Jesus meant when he said blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, he, he kind of smiles at us, and he said, but guys, you do realize there is no Jesus. He's an illusion. And there was and a gasp. I, there was a total gasp. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and once again, it was almost like that thing where you go to a movie and you get so caught up that you forget you're in a movie. And the, we had done that as an audience. I mean, I felt myself gasp. Yep. It's like, oh, yeah, he's right. There is no Course in Miracles. Yep. There is no Jesus. There is nothing. And so I guess how I'm putting that back to the angels is that I particularly love, love, love that particular line from Lesson 131, which, in fact, I put it in the Power Peak this week, which says, angels light the way. Because to me, within this dream, that's an image that just makes me feel so comforted. And it's an image that I love. And so the thing is, within this dream, the angels are as real as Mark and me. Right. Because we're all illusions. We're all the projections, you know, as, as Ken was saying. We're still projecting it. But when we're in the classroom, everything, everything can become the lesson. And, and you know, I love that what he said, too, because I forget that. When he said sickness and poverty or any choice that we're making, that could be the classroom that we need. Yep, absolutely. Man, I love that. It just went straight to my heart. Well, I think it's sort of like the, the idea is the we do believe we've sinned, we do believe we're guilty, and we do expect punishment for it. Now, when you think about it, he described that as linear time. Sin was something we did in the past, present is my guilt over that, and punishment is the anticipation of a future event, and that is how the ego got us to create time. And the idea also that that's why we always feel that something's going to pull the rug out from under us, because we've done, we don't really deserve it. Whatever it is, whatever the it is. And so it's fun that um, what I think he wants, to, what the course is trying to do and what I think Ken really strives to do with his students is to pull the wool out from that uh, sense of guilt or that seriousness that we have um, done something wrong. Like to, to make angels real because it comforts you, that's beautiful. You never forget, though, that you're in the dream, this, this illusion of separation, and that that's one of the things you're calling to help guide you out. I think it's awesome. And um, that's what we do with the concept of the Holy Spirit. That's what we do with Jesus. It's the voice of God we took with us as we separated. And we need those. I think we need those things. We need to be gentle. There is a line in the course that talks about if we just – people go, why don't you just wake up? Why wouldn't you just wake up? Because we're completely horrified at the thought of that profound love. It's it's absolutely terrifying to us. And I think mm-hmm. that's – you know, and I think that's why – we i finally got today really this is like the first time i really got it why they harp on you've got to look at somebody else with a with a sense of forgiveness with a sense of they are no different than me they cannot separate me from my love of god they can't separate me from what i truly am and constantly doing that constantly practicing that and and because then when we do awaken 
when we're <laughs> it's sort of like we're ready we feel good we're already mm-hmm. there you know it's mm-hmm. like we, we've conditioned ourselves to feel not the pain of the world but the the pain of not being of the world you know the the joy of not being of it and i think that's really hopeful really what an amazing system this in this cycle now when we're doing occupy wall street I wanted to talk to you about this because I know Marianne Williamson was out there yelling for him and I think Deepak Chopra was out there. And sometimes I think that in a way it's sort of like we, we you know, maybe there's a purpose in, in making that all real. But do you get a sense that we're – because I'm going to segue just a little into astro- astrology because as long as we remember that astrology is something we get to believe that we're all connected in one piece. I think that's why astrology works for me so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that we're – you know, it's like the big – we're all connected there. You know, it's like it's, it's all one. Um, Pluto moves into Capricorn for all of us. We all feel it. It's all a part of a, the connected change. Do you think that's a, Cap- a Pluto and Capricorn event, this Occupy Wall Street thing? Do you think this is when the corporations are going to face the music? Or what do you think that do – you, do you have a sense of what astrologically is um, sort of kicking the butt of the world right now in that way? Yes, and but to me, it's really two things. I mean, it's probably more, but and in fact, it's kind of funny because I was just talking to some friends about this this morning, and that is, I think it's Pluto sitting in Capricorn, and I think it's Uranus sitting in Aries. Mm. Because Uranus in Aries, you know, it's been there for what, a year? But I think that is a very revolutionary cycle. I mean, oh, yeah. once again, when you go back to the 1920s and the early 30s, and you, that's the last time Uranus was sitting in Aries, and you see the kind of stuff going on. I mean, that's when Gandhi basically did his quiet, peaceful revolution in India to free India from being under the control of England. And then that's also when Hitler rose to power in Germany. And yet, once again, if you kind of look at that situation, those people were so oppressed. I mean, they were living miserable lives. Their economy was terrible. And along comes a leader who says, I can get you out of this. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a strong person, and they followed him. So I, I also want to say that necessarily was not a bad thing. They were trying to revolutionary, you know, to, to do a revolution in their lives. But if you just look at that time period in general, it's so similar to now. I mean, even if you go back to the stock market crash of 29 and, you know, and just the early 30s, we want to be in a revolution. We want to change something. We want to stand up and be warriors. And then when you combine that with that Pluto sitting in Capricorn, you know. Oh, yes, absolutely. Not, yeah, not to mention, you, oh, you know, and we're going to need to go to break. So I don't want to launch into this, but I was going to say the other thing I'm so into is the fact that Pluto in the United States chart is sitting in Capricorn in the second house of values. Now, see, I forgot about that. That's see, right. that's what I think that's a big part of what's going on in the United States right now. Oh, we love that. Okay. And so do you think the, the, um, I mean, it's a reflection of something that's going in inside of all of us as well, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think that when we come back, what I'd like to do is, um, if we have callers, you're willing to take some calls with me, CA people? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, look Mm -hmm. at your charts, you guys. We don't have to stay global. We don't have to stay spiritual. We can get down and dirty and abandon all cares and woes and really attack you. No, just teasing. Well, <laughs> well, <An illusion>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I know it's like when you fresh into the course, you're like, it's just a dream anyway. So why do I have to care? And it's like, uh, whatever. Well, um, if you to have a happy dream, you have to care. <laughs> that's right. If we're going to have a happy dream. Give me my Jack Daniels kind of thing right now. I'm teasing. Um, 
let's go. Let's take a quick break. You guys get, we're going to have Laura, who's doing an amazing job producing tonight, get a phone number to call in. And if you can, um, get us, uh, your time of birth. You can email it to me or, uh, CA. I'm mark at one, two house.com. I'll just send it to CA. Uh, email me your birth information and I'll send it to CA and we'll run a chart. All right. So call in. We'll see you in a little bit. The correct way of looking at the Holy Spirit again is that, is that he's a symbol, but he's a symbol that reflects a thought or a memory. And one, one way that I'd like to describe the Holy Spirit is that when we all begin, began our dream, when we believed we, we fell asleep, we separated from God and fell into a sleep and began the dream of separation, we took with us in our minds into the dream this memory of who we are as God's son. Right. That memory is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as a person. Right. He's always referred to with a, a masculine pronoun. Right. Most of the words used to describe the Holy Spirit are personifications. He's, he's described as a teacher, as a mediator, as a guide, as an interpreter, a translator. A symbol that allows us to relate to him as if he were a person, but a loving person inside of our, of our mind. This is Audra, host of The Love Quest. You're listening to 1-2 Radio, changing the way you listen to the world. This is CA from Simple Tales. On Saturday, October 8th, Venus moved into the mysterious sign of Scorpio. And on the 13th, Mercury dives into the underworld of Scorpio as well. Oh, excuse me, someone's at the door. Is it a candy gram or a land shark? Things are not always what they seem, but Scorpio has the power to see through the dark. On Simple Tales, we'll be looking into the depths. Join me every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 Eastern, here on 1-2 Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. Feel the power of Merlin, the greatest magician. Imagine standing where he stood to conjure the elements in Merlin's cave, deep beneath the legendary Tintagel Castle. Do you feel it? You can do it on the Merlin's Magic and Ancient Stones Tour. Let us take you to Merlin's final resting place in Marlborough. The great stones in Avebury, Stonehenge. Let the healing music of Tim Wheater's flute melt into your soul and celebrate the 2012 solstice in the heart chakra of the planet, Glastonbury, England. Reserve your place on Merlin's Magic and Ancient Stones. Find us on Facebook or contact Val Camosi at gmail.com. Igor, flip the switch. Flip the switch, flip the switch. 
It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Oh, no, it's time for Out of Mo's Mind. Well, this will just have to wait. <laughs> Tonight he's talking about weird science and how horror sometimes mimics the real world. Popcorn? Thank you, Igor. Personally, I think he's kind of strange. Oh, I agree completely. Night on One Two Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. And you're listening to One Two Radio, changing the way we changing the way we listen to the world. Are you like me? Do you find yourself searching for all natural products with ingredients from sustainable resources and green packaging? Well, if you are, then you're going to love the handcrafted bath and body collection from Gracious Earth Naturals. Restore your skin to its natural moisture balance and beautiful glow with the rich and creamy lather from our handcrafted soaps. Hi, I'm Karen J. Lewis creator and owner of Gracious Earth Naturals. I've used my vast knowledge of aromatherapy and eco-consciousness aligning with Mother Earth to create my unique bath and body care line that's good for the body, mind, and spirit. Visit our online store at graciousearthnaturals.com. Everything we create is for goodness sake. The open sky above me and the earth beneath me. Hello and welcome to Sageville, USA. I'm Kathleen and my sister Fern and I will be your hosts as we share life stories, discuss, explore, discover, learn, and have a little bit of fun. Join the conversation here at 12 Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. Are you in the mood to fall in love with your life just as it is in this moment? You ready to come back home and love what is? That's what we're doing in the Stone Street Cafe every Thursday night. We're coming home. We're coming back. We're falling in love with where we're at in this moment. This is Julia Stone Street Smith, and I can't wait for you to join me in the Stone Street Cafe right here at 12radio.com. Mark now, call 218-862-1300, extension 124-290. You are listening to The Mark Husson Show here on 12radio.com, changing the way we listen to the world. Hey everybody, welcome back. You guys are excited to get some chart information happening. We have a lot of people on the lines. Me and CA are like eager to talk to you. We're all buzzed about Ken. We're like all little groupies. And it's like the epitome of not what anybody would want when the course. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Ken, he's like, the, you know, it's like you can feel that part. It's like, don't be putting me on a pedestal. I'll slap you. No. <laughs> it's okay. I can love who I want to love. It's my dream. Damn it. Um, so we have some callers in the whatever we would see. You have a, I mean, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'll let you guys decide. Like, I know our producer, Laura, can bring some people through. We'll just get the chart live, and I'll, I have uh, Nancy's run as well. We don't know what line she's on. Hello. Hi. Hi. What's your first name? My name's Kim. Hi, Kim. 
Hi. Yeah, I I've been trying to, you know, get put my birthday on the um uh chat, but it, for some reason it's not going through. <laughs> Can we get it really fast anyway, live? Yeah. Yeah, what is your birthday? It is 12/24/1955 and I was born at 2:55 a.m. In what city, hon? Uh Coos Bay, Oregon, and that's C O O S B A Y. I only knew that because of the restaurant that's down the street from me. It's called Coos Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kim. So you're a Capricorn with an Aries moon and a Scorpio rising. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Yay. Now, what brings you to call in to me and CA? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of both of yours. And, um, you know, I keep hearing Uranus and Aries and Pluto and Cap. You know, and I got that Scorpio rising, so I'm feeling like, you know, I have a lot of, I don't know, issues <laughs> coming up, and <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm glad you just had kind it of figuring, <laughs> yeah, so I was just kind of, you know, then I listened to your show, uh, that compatibility, if where um, <clears throat> a gentleman I've been seeing on and off for about uh, two years, his birthday was is January 11th, uh, 1954. And I was just kind of curious. Um, you're saying sometimes you're real compatible, but sometimes it's too intense. So I was kind of curious if that's what's going on with me in that relationship. Okay, now are you talking about when I was on Audra's show this past week? Is that no, what you're Mark? About? He, he oh, had Mark, the, the compatibility show, I think, um, a couple. Yeah, of weeks we ago. did. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I did. I. I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, no, I do remember the show. And so, um, about this guy, where are you, are we looking at the compa- the, you know what happened is I got to get your chart back up here because it just, um, okay. <laughs> it just erased on me. And, um, so CA, if you, let's see, first of all, I'm telling you really quick. I, I, um, I hate this program that I'm using because it's like a little, I got to hand punch it in, but CA, go ahead and start. If you see some things for her, this is, uh, Kim, in general, you want to know about the relationship, honey? Is that what the well, question is? Well, I want to know about that relationship, too. And, you know, I, you know I've you worked at my job for 21 years, and I'm, I'm starting, like, a second job that I, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a yoga instructor, but I've got some different ideas with that, and I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just kind of curious to see what my chart looks like as far as relationships and, you know, uh, my new endeavor. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't have his particular chart, but one thing I can tell you is I see a lot of energy in your seventh house because Jupiter, which is the planet of expansion, is going through there. And so what that tells me is actually this, and it just went in there. Well, no, it's been in there for a while, I guess, but it's still going to stay there through at least sometime early summer. And when it's there, it tells me that there's lots of opportunities for you, you know, that it's easy for you to attract people into your life that feel good. But the other thing that I see for you is that Saturn, which to me is the cosmic clutter clearer, and it's also, you know, well, it is. And it's I love going- that. I know. I, I mean, I live it, but I'm, I'm kind of wishing that I could graduate, you know, I, you oh. say that, you know, in the Course in Miracles, you get to go to school because you need to learn some lessons. I, I'm kind of thinking, well, those lessons have learned and I need to graduate. <laughs> hey, honey, I hear you. But in any case, this is what I'm kind of seeing. I see that Saturn sitting over in the 12th house. And it's okay. going to go over your rising, but not until I think 
probably at least a year from now, next mm-hmm. fall sometime. But when I okay. see that and it's across from your moon, then I'm saying, you know what, There's there might be a hard lesson that you're learning right now. So even though yeah. I don't see his chart, I do think that there's something that you're learning. And, and part of that is very likely about relationships because that moon is sitting in Aries and Saturn is sitting in Libra. And so you may be learning how to really identify exactly what is it you need and want. So I think it might be a hard relationship is what I'm thinking. And I also see Mars sitting up in your 10th house, which is action. And so when wherever I see Mars in the chart, that's where you're paying attention to. And so I think there's a lot of job and career stuff going on for you right now. So in some ways, I'm not saying don't look at the relationship, but... You know, also put some attention into your job and what you're doing because Saturn going over your ascendant a year from now is going to put you in a whole new place. Great. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, she nailed it. There's not much really to add, but do you know one thing I want to do, Kim, is get the time of birth again? Um, It was 2.55 a.m. 2.55 a.m. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because um, this program I'm using, it erases it when somebody else... um, (laughs) Speak. There we go. Good. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, one of the things too that CA did you talk about Neptune, Saturn on our Neptune? No, I CA? didn't. I didn't. Okay. The Saturn's going to come down on your Neptune as well, and what I think it's going to do is it's going to have you sort what's really a fantasy and what's really real, and it's going to let you really easily do that, and you're going to like that, Kim, because what it does is go. I've been living this. I keep projecting this energy that this person has this, and this is really what it is, and it's kind of like what I remember about that transit is whatever is real will stay with you and whatever is an illusion will go away and that's happening that's going to be a big part of this year and an early part of next year but it's really now and so you're starting to make some wonderful choices i can see you were born with a very psychic eye that moon neptune opposition i think it makes you really sensitive to other people it makes you really it's not a typical aries moon in that you're not You'll question your own aggression, I think, at times, like whether I should do that or not or, you know, that kind of thing. But you definitely get – you definitely have your mind set during this time that you're not going to – I think you're going to get some real tough decisions that get tough about your decisions. I don't think they're going to be hard decisions. I think you're going to get tough about them, and I think you're going to probably walk a path that is serving you solely. And if that person fits in, great. They can come along. But if they don't, you ain't putting up with it. You're going to head to your second Saturn return in two years, and we're going to see you not putting up with anything the second Mm -hmm. round that isn't supportive of you. And that's what I think is really wonderful about this cycle that you're in. Yep. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And one more thing I'd like to add is I always wondered why I always always wanted to know why about everything. And is that my Scorpio rising, (laughs) you know, that always wanted to question, like, when I go to the doctor and they really can't give me an answer, I, I want to fix myself. Oh, I think, that- well, my hit is the third house energy. You have a, four planets in your third house, Venus in Aquarius, Mercury in Capricorn, Sun in Capricorn, and it's in this house of Gemini, inquisitive everything. And it's like, so that's one of them. And I do think Sun, the moon in your house of health, uh, you aggressively pursue what's going on with your body. You don't want any, you want the honest truth. You want to know what's going on. And you have this brilliance that Venus in Aquarius in the third house and Chiron there that says, Give me the info. That's my take. CA, you definitely may have another take. But well, I would I would agree with everything you said. But I would add that Scorpio sitting in the first house. I, Absolutely. You know, when, when you've got it on your ascendant, and you've got Mars and Saturn sitting in Scorpio. Yeah, you're going to question everything. You're going to look under the surface. You know, you're not going to take any superficial answers about anything. 
That's right, Kim. You're definitely going to, and it's good. It's being inquisitive. Do you feel bad about it? No, I, you know, I just, it, it makes me feel uh, sane. I, you know, when I listen to you guys, it, I, like, I always wondered, all of a sudden, you know, I'll be in a, a, a turmoil or something, I'll take it and take it, and all of a sudden, it's like I put down the gauntlet, and it's like, I, and then my temper explodes, and I thought, where does that come from, you know? <laughs> and then I say, oh, my, <laughs> I thought, oh, my Aries moon, maybe that, and it, so it does help me to understand my personality a lot more, so I really appreciate all you guys, what you do. Oh, you're so sweet. You definitely, have an, you definitely have uh, Uranus at the top of your chart also gives you a certain like, don't mess. I have a quick temper. You know, mm-hmm. you, it's, like, you, it's okay. Because, you know, it's like, but it's an, go ahead. It, it just, it, it, I don't have a real quick temper, but if I keep taking it and taking it and I don't see a resolve, and I, then it's like, okay, you've pushed me to my end here, you know. There you <laughs> go. And once that happens, it's too much. Let Mars and Scorpio... I know a lot of people with Mars and Scorpio, and they take, 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 take. It's like Mars and Taurus, two of the scariest Marses that I know. And it's like, <laughs> it's true. And then they, they take, they take, they take, and all of a sudden it's like, well, Boom. they didn't get mad last time, so I'm going to tell them again. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, and you think it's just going to be done. They yelled at you, oh, my God. <laughs> For as long as they held it in, it's as long as they stay mad. So it's like, okay, we better, like, check this out a little more clearly next time I get go to make one of you guys mad. So that's great Mars Pat. Got to be careful with it. Well, well, and, too, it's like I, you know, I, I'm astute and I can really, you know, deduct things, and then I go – I am too direct sometimes and then when and then when I you know you know making my point and they're just like, like ghastly you know so it's like I try to keep the beast down <laughs> I love it but again Don't... I wanted to thank you so much I really that does really help me a lot you're a sweetheart for calling thanks so much and good luck this year you got a Jupiter Pluto conjunction you got some good stuff happening in your chart that's really going to help you unfold and come into your power I like the cycle you're in okay great thanks again Bet, honey. Thank you. Bye. Bye, bye now. Ooh, who's next? Who's next? That was fun, CA. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Too much fun. Hey, nine seven zero. What's your name? Always takes a minute with this system. It's okay. Hey, I hear you. Hi, Mark and CA. This is Lori. Hi, hey, Lori. How are you? Are you? Good. I'm great. I just moved to Denver today. Wow, well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I found it. a place to live. Now I have to find a job. <laughs> well, give us but your I'm birth sure information, Lori, really quick. Okay, it's um, September 21st, 59. I think you have it. Oh, but do I? Um, well, you know, it came know. through the chat or something. No, so, Lord, why don't you just give it to us again? That's the fastest thing okay. to do. Okay, okay. Um, 92159, Canton, Ohio, at 9.40 a.m. Oh, 9.40 a.m.? Okay. In Canton. Woohoo! Okay, so I'm in a new program, so I can be faster than UCA. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can only be as good as you, that's the thing. Uh, okay, so, uh, Lori, what brings you to call, sweetheart? Well, I think just whatever information you have about what's going on right now, but I am, I'm pretty sure I'll get a job pretty quickly, but if you have What do you do? Can we ask what you do, Lori? I'm a massage therapist. 
Okay, yeah, in Denver, you'll get a job pretty soon. Absolutely. And you have a moon in Taurus. Let's tell everybody, you have a moon in Taurus. You have a Virgo sun. Oh, my gosh, a Libra rising. What a good, you're a perfect field for you, right? Because you're, you're dealing with the body yeah. and you love, you, you take tender care of people. Um, you really like to be proud of what you do. In three days, the sun's going to be right on your ascendant. I think you'll hear something very, very soon. Next year, Jupiter hits your moon, the ruler of your ninth house. Are you going to do any kind of teaching or going back to school? Do you know? Possibly. Possibly oh. teaching. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, Depends if- yeah. Okay. It depends on what doors open for you, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. It depends if I go to um, one of the Asian countries with my daughter and teaching. Oh, that's the ninth house of travel. Yeah. I was calling it teaching. You're going. Are you going next year? I'd be, well, we're not sure, but it's it's tentative. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe this winter. Maybe not. Looks, um, looks I'd good be for travel. English to kindergartners. Really. God, you're good at all fun? that stuff. That would be really fun. So, yeah, my take is um, I think you're going to do the travel for sure, even though you just got here, for God's sake. And then, I know. Um, <laughs> it might be a short one. It's okay. But I might come back, though. So. And then um, but you do. there is some activity. Mars is going to hit your Uranus. Are you, are, you staying, are you feeling like pulled in a million different directions, or are you staying pretty centered? Um, I do both. <laughs> okay, because you're in you're in a time now where it looks like you're getting plugged into a socket. I'm going to see what CA sees. Do you ever well, chart up CA? Yes, I do. And see, once again, I see that it's not going to be very long before Saturn goes over her ascendant. I know. Because I've got her as a 26 Libra. Is that what you've got? That's what I got, yeah. Yeah, so see, we're talking, and also I will admit I've looked at your chart before, so I went and pulled a tarot card. Because they said, oh, you know, good. give, give cool. me some additional information. And you got what I call the Nike card because it's the tower and it literally is this burning effigy just crashing off the top of a tower. And so what, when I see this card, it tells me somebody just, they, you have to make the decision. You know, that Libra wants to go back and forth and back and forth and weigh all their decisions. And see, you've got three things sitting in Libra. And this card says, no more decisions. Just make it. Just do it. And I think, once again, as Mark said, the sun's moving over that and also Saturn's going to. And so I think if you don't make a decision, Saturn's going to kind of force the issue. And it's going to be hard because, once again, you want to debate everything. And I think it's saying, no, just do it. Yeah, because you're going to definitely get a new identity, Lori. Um, Saturn says, let's, like, restructure you. So I think... It might be like the close. I mean, maybe maybe massage therapy is going to come to a close and you're going to end up doing something very differently. And maybe that teaching gig is going to be part of it. It's mm-hmm. exciting, though, because you are going to restructure who you are. And I think... Um, That's yeah. always fun. It is fun. I wonder what part of you likes yeah. that so much. Um, I I'm love looking- change. You do love change. That's so cool. Uranus at the top, maybe. I mean, a Taurus moon love and change. I think we need to see if you were adopted. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's so cool. I love that you love it because usually we don't see a lot of that kind of uh, comments from a a Taurus moon because they love the stability. But I think your your Virgo is mutable. It's in the 12th house. Maybe you are up for just flowing, going with the flow and enjoying life. I love that. 
to well, me, it looks. Go ahead. Steve. No, I was just going to. No, Mark, finish your sentence. No, no, no. To me, it looks like you, you were right on. Saturn is going to be the pinnacle key thing here. I think we're going to look at restructuring what you do. I think that you're okay riding the wave and being unsure. I think that's exactly where you should be because we're not sure, but I think it's going to be a restructure. I'd love to find out what you where you land. Mm-hmm. I will let you know. But, you know, here's, here's another thing that, and I'm kind of reaching. I want you to know, as an astrologer, I'm just reaching. This may be something else, but I also see Uranus sitting on your south node. I know. And it's, and it's gonna get, it's gonna get, it's already passed over there, probably once or twice, because I think it went over direct, it retrograded, and, and it's gonna move back direct. And there's something that makes me think that even as a massage therapist, you're into healing, but I think that, that south node there it makes you a little insecure about that process and it makes me think that you need to heal on a much much bigger level and when I say bigger I mean more on a spiritual level a more cosmic level I just think there's something more in store for you that the massage therapy is a very physical simplistic version of something that you truly want to transform and heal because once again i see that you've got four things sitting in that 12th house and when we've got things in the 12th house sometimes we don't see them very clearly but i think it's almost a mission to make big big changes in the world on you know like i said more of a cosmic level a more universal level so you don't want to heal just as a massage therapist i think you're going for something much bigger you're right you're right. That's part of the reason I moved to Denver. Nice. Yeah. I see there's so much more here. But, you know, I'm not just talking about numbers of people. It's the, it's something bigger. Yeah. And, and yeah. I can't, oh, I'm not I talking can't about put... numbers of people either. No, yeah. I'm not I talking about that. I mean, more opportunity. Yeah, there's. I, I mean, in other words, I think you're going to explore some of your own insecurities, and you're probably get, not mm-hmm. going to like it. You know, it might make you feel really insecure. But by processing those, you're going to get past it. You're just going to move to a new level because you're going to go, oh, that's all that that was. Nice. I'm, I'm moving past it. Right. Good. Okay. I'll remember that one. <laughs> Let us know, Lori, where you land. It'll be nice to hear I how Saturn does mine. you. Okay, sweetheart. Thank okay. you so much. Hey, Thank we have time you. before the Thank break you. for one. You bet, honey. We have time before the break to take one more call. Um, so let's, let's patch it through and see if we can do this one. Hi, Mark and CA. Can you hear me? Yeah. This is Nancy. Hey, Nancy, I think, did you send me your chart? I did. Okay, CA, did I send it to you? I don't have it in my email box right now. You ready? November 3rd, 1969. Okay, hold on one second. Let Mm -hmm. me switch. I'm going to send it to you. I got it right here, CA. I'm just going to send it over to you. Okay, sounds great. Hey, um, so Nancy, what brings you to call the show? I got your chart and I'm sending it to CA so she'll be able to join us, but I get to beat her to the punch. Yes. (laughs) What brings you to call, uh, sweetheart? Well, last year, 2010, was a rough year for me personally. I lost um, everyone, the three most important relationships in my life. Ouch. And, um, yeah, ouch is for sure. <laughs> and Sorry. I'm really, um, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm really just trying to look forward and, and see what's going on. You know, with all those planets in my sixth house, obviously my job and career are important to me. But I want to know about relationships, too, but... I just like to listen to you talk, Mark. So once you get my chart, 
<laughs> that made me laugh. Okay, listen, here's the deal. You have, you do have a pack six health and you have Venus two days away from hitting your sun sign, which is just absolutely beautiful. Nancy, that makes you, that's saying to me that you sort of can sparkle now. You're going to be noticed. It's going to hit your seventh house. I do think relationships could easily come. You know, the real exciting thing about your chart, your Scorpio rising. Jupiter's landing on that this next year, early uh, 2012. So if you go back to the year 2000, you look, think about what was going on in that cycle. You have busted open so many old patterns and fears. It's ridiculous. And you are so ready to swim now. I just can't wait till this cycle hits you full tilt. Now, Venus is coming along. And now I remember day after tomorrow, we're talking two days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Think about like people that you're meeting and talking to you and how people are reacting to you. Venus, Saturn is also sitting on your personal Venus, which means you might be pulling in a little bit and taking things for a reassessment, which is a good thing to do because your work is really the focus during this cycle. But are you doing anything to make yourself look different? I mean, and I mean that in a, I just as a curiosity astrological thing because Venus rules your rising sign and Saturn's there. Um, are you on a diet? Have you done you know, any sort of surgeries that make you look different? Is it some, any hairstyle, anything? Um, no, I mean, I'm always on a quest to lose weight, but no, I haven't done anything significant. No, okay. Well, I think that if you decide you're going to lose weight, this a diet might come your way that gives you the structure and the balance that you need. I think you'll get that willpower that you like. If, something like that. Saturn always gives us a little gift when it sits there on the Venus. And I think it also gives us a little more serious intent to find a partner. <laughs> And I think that is um, why that question is coming up for you. Now, the important thing is if you do meet somebody during this cycle, um, it's probably going to be a very long-term relationship. And I'm really excited for you. So hang in there with that. Keep your eyes open. This Jupiter on your rising sign, back to the year 2000, it only happens once every 12 years. It's a really benevolent cycle. It's one that it, there's going to be an increase in your work. It trines your career house. It trines your Mars. I mean – I'm so happy for you. You have this little sweet moon in Leo in the fourth house. And I think what it does is it sort of um, – there's a part of you that really wants to bring someone in so you can be seen. And, you know, it's hard for you to – you know, you're, you're, you don't like to do a lot of public display, but you need to know that you're okay. And I think you respond well to a lot of praise. Um, not even a lot of praise, but just some. And it's very particular where it comes from. I think we're ready for that cycle for you. Now I'm going to shut up and let's see what CA finds. Okay, and I'll tell you what uh, – just uh – we're going to need to go to a break. Oh, so we do are. you want do you want to go into the break time or do you want to just um hold my until after the break? Um let's let's just be nice to Laura and take our break and we'll okay. ask Nancy <laughs> to hold on the the line with us and we'll come back and we'll you give your shot. Okay. And no cheating. Don't look at the chart till you get back. You get as oh. much time as I know I'm teasing. Hi, <laughs> right, you guys. We'll be back in just a minute. Thanks for hanging in with us. We're going to do more chart readings when we come back. Thank you so much. We have made death into a big event. We've made dying into a big event because we think we are here in the body. So all the questions about, about what happens when you die, do you come back, what goes on on the other side, there is no other side. When you really understand again and, and begin to integrate what the Course is saying, then you realize that practically everything everybody says about everything 
Everything everybody says about everything is wrong. Because it's all coming from the position or the perspective of the body being real. That there's a body here and there's a world here. It's not like that. We are in a, a projected idea of a mind that has never left its source, which means we're not projected. We just think we are. Projection is an illusion. It not only projects an illusion, which is guilt, it itself is an illusion. Hi, this is Laura Lozano from Laura Out Loud, and you're listening to One Two Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. In between what you see and what you hear, mystical illusions. In between what you think. And what you know. Mystical minds. In between what you feel and what is real. Mystical truths. And in between time and space, you'll find... Mystical Moments. Tune in every Tuesday for Mystical Moments with Gerald Larson at 6 p.m. Pacific, only on 1-2 Radio, changing the way we listen to the world. 1-2, hit it! Susan is my nanny, and I'm here to say... Listen to her show every Wednesday. It's fun, educational, and in the groove. Susan Dentino Live will boost your mood. So remember, don't hesitate. Susan Dentino's got the team that's really great. Tune in at 5 p.m. Pacific to the show that's really terrific. See you Wednesday, hip hip hooray. A wonderful way to end your day. As the nest of twigs ignites, the bird of phoenix reappears. Out of the ashes comes a promise of rebirth for a thousand years. When the connection has been made by the light of the fire, Phoenix will take flight and give you the answers that you desire. Voices from the Other Side Resurrected with Melissa Fry every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, here on 1 2 Radio, changing the way you listen to the world. Donna Virgilio's show is just wonderful. I love how she has a soothing, calming, angelic voice. I think that the Donna Virgilio hour is very informative. The temples and places of the goddesses, I didn't know that that information was out there. I really enjoy the show, and it brings oh my God, a lot of knowledge I love it. to me. The huge variety, it's really unique. You definitely get entertained, and it's just like a really nice show, and it goes by really fast because you're so captivated by it. The Donna Virgilio Hour, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific Time on 12radio.com. Changing the way you listen to the world. We live in a world full of miracles, and one thing I know for sure, miracles abound when we're tuned in and turned on to our psychic guidance. Hi, this is Kathleen Hall, also known as Psychic Cat, and I created my Unleash Your Psychic Potential teleclass at 12academy.com so that you can experience the joy that comes from embracing your psychic gifts. Using my original technique, we'll learn the secrets that turn good intuitives into great psychics. Sign up now. Class size is limited. have her with me please welcome if you will pat mckay pat are you with me i am with you yes Uh thank you mark (laughs) what a treat to have you you yelled at me our first time together and it was the greatest yell i ever had 
It was, <laughs> it was years ago, and you, you just dared me to take the cat to the vet, and I was so happy you did that because I followed your advice to the T, and my babies are still with me, and they're happy, and I want to know who the heck you are. I want to know how you got started. I want to know how you discovered all this stuff. Please, please, please tell us, Pat, where did this all come from? How did you get into this? Well, um, 30-some years ago, I was a court reporter. and Eight years uh, It's amazing. Sorry, go ahead. You're a court yeah, reporter? And I, yep, and I got tired of hearing nothing but problems, and nobody is ever happy in court. Even the ones who win are not necessarily happy. So I said, I have to get out of this profession, plus the fact that... Um, I was training a couple of my dogs to be protection dogs because sometimes I would have to go into areas that um, were not all that safe. So I would have my dogs in the car with me uh, when I went to take a deposition, for instance. Right. And uh, so during the training, um, the trainer said to me, well, everybody would always comment on how healthy my dogs looked. And so I thought, well, um, maybe this is something I need to take another look at. And my trainer very definitely said, you need to start helping other people with telling them what to do for their dogs. So I, and I thought, well, I can't put out a sign that says Pat McKay Nutrition Center for Dogs because, or Cats because uh, this was back in the late 70s, you know. Right. We didn't even have health food stores at that, or not many anyway. <laughs> right. So so I uh, started a, um, a grooming uh, uh, salon, and when people would come to pick up their dogs, I would tell them, I'd give them a health list, and they said, I've never been to a groomer who tells me what's wrong with my dog, and I said, well, you know, that's the extra plus for coming here. <laughs> and, and they said, what? Um, I don't see any food in your place. And I said, well, it's right there in the freezer. What do you mean it's in the freezer? I said, yeah, it's raw meat, raw frozen meat. Oh, please. You know, so for, yeah. the, so for quite some time, people were just shocked. Because well, what, as what? I re- why did you do that? Why did you know to do raw meat? Oh, because I had done that all my life with my own dogs. I was raised in Minnesota, in northern Minnesota, where people went hunting and fishing all the time. And we ate the good parts of the animal, and we gave the rest raw to our dogs and cats. Wow, awesome. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know any different. Oh, that's so yeah. great. I love that. That's pretty radical, especially oh. for the 70s. I mean, that, now it's yeah. radical. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, so then it grew. And people would come to my grooming place just because I would ha- help them with their animal's health as well. And it just kept, um, you know, increasing and more and more and then I moved into a larger facility. Uh, I started out in uh, Hollywood uh, for anybody who was in the L.A. area, in uh, about a mile from the Larchmont area. And um, then I uh, moved the facility to Pasadena. And uh, But all that area is um, 
you know, everybody, it's a residential, everybody has dogs and cats. So it's, right. Uh, well, you know, what's interesting yeah. to me is you, um, when I first discovered uh, what you did, it, raw food was really scary in, in the minds of everybody. The vet didn't want to hear about it. My vets were like, don't do it, da-da-da. And I was like, to me, my vets I listened to the first time around. The second time around, I'm listening to you. And in your book, Raining Cats and Dogs, R-E-I-G-N, that one, or I before E, uh-huh. whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, that book uh, recommended that cats should not have any grains whatsoever, uh, raw I- meat. With a, with a percentage of organ meat from the same animal, uh, and then, uh, a, a, some vegetables, but no grains, no fruits. So there's a list of the poisons that you list. And then what I learned from you was to make the, the, the meal soupy with water. Because, and listen, I did it to the T. My boys don't even know what a bowl of water to do with a bowl of water. They have no clue. They, it's soupy. It's raw meat. It's with the, the mix. And then you said, the only thing we need to add is um, the 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 herbs the the vitamins that you had uh, formulated from an organic source? How did you get into making this stuff? I mean, that's where it just blows my mind. You ended up doing some kind of research, right? Because you're brilliant. Oh at this. yes. Well, over the years, I had to figure out where the calcium and magnesium uh, and sulfur source was going to come from, because in the wild the cat or or the feline or the canine is going to eat the entire mouse or the entire rabbit or uh, whatever. And so they get their calcium and magnesium from the bones within that animal because that's fresh kill, you see. Right, the bones, right. The, the, the bones haven't gone through rigor mortis yet. They, they eat the entire animal and... and uh, Everything is digested, absorbed, assimilated, and utilized. Well, you can't do that with domestic feeding. I mean, nobody's going to buy a dozen mice and let them run around the house for their cats to catch them. <laughs> it isn't going to happen, you know. <laughs> Oliver, get so, those mice out uh, of your house. No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I. I knew that the most critical part of supplements was the minerals that they needed and then because our food in general is so depleted, there's a lot of other things like vitamin C and E and D and uh, those that have to be supplemented as well because they're no longer in our, and all the trace minerals, they're just not in our food anymore. You know, our soil is so depleted and... So uh, over the years, just doing uh, considerable research, and then in the middle 90s, a company came out with, uh, 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 what they refer to as bio-enhanced. In other words, the vitamins and minerals are literally grown in a culture so that they're alive. It's wow. not like the synthetic vitamins that most people uh, have and that right. most supplements for, for people and animals. They're, uh, uh, most of the vitamins and minerals they're taking are synthetics. Yes, they're not exactly. real anyway. Exactly. So when, this com- when I heard about this company, I added that to my formula and uh, just totally different product completely. 
I mean, wow. it's just, yeah. Uh, my, uh, I call it bio eight and it just absolutely is absorbed by the body just like food. And the vitamin it, C is real. Everything, all the vitamins are real. They're not synthetics. You know, most people, when they take vitamin C, they think they're taking vitamin C. They are not. They're taking ascorbic acid. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not, and, and and they're allowed to there and the and we're allowed there's a lot of rules a lot of federal regulations that allow them to call it that and and to do that but that's one thing that you made it really clear in your book is that a you're not going to give your cat anything that is not fit for human consumption and and you talk that's a right. lot about uh going into a pet factory i remember you in the in raining cats and dogs you talk about going into seeing manufacture what they do with these food and actually finding a leash in some of the food. I mean, it was horrifying. Yeah, it's just, it is. It's just horrifying. And it, you, you keep mentioning my book, but I want to tell people that everything that is in that book is now free on wow. my website. I people love that. People do not have to buy. And I actually prefer that they go in and read my eBooks that are free because some of the information in my printed book is now obsolete. Right, absolutely. You know, I remember that, I, yeah. I, yeah, I keep learning as I'm going along as well. And so now every time I learn something new, I can just pull up my ebook, change it, put in there what uh, what I've just learned. And you can't do that with a printed book. So no more printed books for me. Well, so Pat, is the website you want me to send them to uh, patmckay.com? That's it. Okay, and can they buy the bio uh, cow up there too? Can they get the powder? The bi the bio eight and uh, is available. Yes, I have. There's a shopping cart on there, and what they must have along with the bio eight is CLO three, and the reason is that you must have vitamin D to back up every. a bit of calcium that you take. Your body can't absorb the calcium and the other minerals in the bio eight if it doesn't have the CLO three. So people need they work as a team and even though they work as a team, here's the 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 strange part. You need to take them at separate times because bio eight has vitamin E and CLO3 has vitamin D. And if you take E and D together, they inhibit one another. Aha. Uh-huh. So that's another thing that people don't know. They are taking uh, vitamins and minerals out there that uh, are not working for them because they're not taking them properly. Right. And they need and, certain ones to absorb. Yeah. Yeah. And you need to take them at the right time. And and they're also for people. Everything that I produce is for people. So right on the label, you will see it says nutriments for you and your dog and cat, too. So they're in capsules for people, in powder for the animals, and the CLO3 are in soft gels because you do not want to take uh, oils in liquid form. Oils go rancid very quickly, and rancid oils are carcinogenic. 
four out of five dogs and cats in this country now have cancer. Wow, and that Isn't is that a shocking It's uh, unbelievable. Statistic? It is. It's unbelievable. And I know uh, my sister's in the chat room. You know, Debbie, uh, when she um, when she found out she had really just a string of bad luck with uh, taking her son's dog and then uh, that dog got diagnosed with cancer and died. And then her baby, Pierce, uh, had a tiny little nodule that she found and they said that was cancerous. And she called you. She called me and yep. I told her about you. She calls you. And you guys totally flipped this around. And I was, when I just visited home, as everybody knows, I was just there. I watched her get that meat and raw meat and mix it in. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, cause it's just like when the early days when I was doing that for my boys, people always throw their nose up cause it's just, they're not used to seeing that. Now, when Gabe was young, he was fed dry food at the kennel at the shelter. So what I had to do was I got a healthier version, even though I know none of it's healthy and ground it and just used it to sprinkle the top of the wet raw meat. So people were asking in the room, that's how I got Gabe seduced into eating raw food. Now that's all he eats. But I did let him have the normal smell of what he was used to. And then we just gradually weaned the sprinkles off. And now it's just soupy, wet red meat. Now, Pat, Harmony Farms, um, you're still about Harmony Farms, right? Are we good with them? Um, yes. They're in um, right outside of L.A. in La Crescenta, California. And they produced my formula for the uh, meals for the raw food meals. Uh, they do an excellent job and they have for years. Um, my understanding is that they do ship it to various parts of the country. Um, but you know, shipping frozen foods gets expensive. So on my website, um, if people go to free ebooks and click on Pat McKay raw food basic recipe, they can find out how to make it themselves. And But if they want to get my Harmony Farms meals through HF Meats, that's wonderful. There's a, um, uh, you, um, on the, what, what is, um, uh, One. I'm, I'm not computer. Uh, no, it's okay. Across the top where you go to different sections. Yeah, the menu. One that is, Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> That's good. That's good okay. Good thing I know more about homeopathy and nutrition than I do than about computers. computers. Yeah, we're all grateful for that. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> so anyway, if you go to the menu, you can click on Harmony Farms, and then it'll tell you all about the meals and that they are uh, fit for human consumption. And um, Yeah, so I... Uh, that, I I put their number in the chat room because I call one every oh, two weeks and I order eight. Okay. I order eight pounds at a time. I mean, it's, it, it actually for what we're getting, it is such a relief because for, I can't do the organ meat. I can't fix it the way your recipe is because I'm a wimp. But when I talk to Juan, he goes, yeah, we have Pat McKay. And I go, do you ship? And he goes, yeah. And he, they put it with dry ice and my, and, I'm telling you, you can see the vegetables in it. It is, and it says Pat McKay formula from Harmony Farms and it comes frozen. It is absolutely, they loved it. There was no adjusting to this. And that's, I put the number in there, 818-248-3068 for the people listening to the archive. And I speak to Juan, but apparently last time I called him, Juan didn't answer. The woman on the phone said, honey, you can speak to any of us. And I was like, cool. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> they knew who you were and they knew the food. It was really exciting. And I can't tell you the reassurance you have given countless, countless people. Now, the veterinarians, like I said, they're, they're, there's a few. I have an alternative vet in Boulder that came to my house to do acupuncture on Gabe in the early days. And she said, what are you feeding your cats? And I took her to the fridge and showed her because it was based on your recipe. She was blown away. She was really happy. She said, you couldn't do better than this. And so I, that makes made me feel really good. So there are conscious veterinarians out there. You just got to talk to them. They're only teaching what they know. I saw somebody write that in the chat room too. They, they're trained in the medical field and they do stay to a strict protocol. But there are those who understand that our animals really could have a much better life if given a much better food. And you have pioneered that, Pat. Pat, what is the, what you're, are you, um, are people, can people donate to any of the societies that you've started, like the homeopathic society? What would you like people to be a part of? How can they support you uh, to keep this going? Uh, by, by, the, by, by donating to the uh, Society for Animal Homeopathy, uh, that is truly appreciated. And, um, and then just by buying the supplements, um, yeah. you know, you support us in that way as well. And, um, uh, right on my home page, there's a, if you scroll down, there's, um, I, of course, have to have pictures of my own dogs. That's Yay. And yes. Then, <laughs> and then uh, toward the bottom of our home page, it says donate. And, um, you and can people donate can do it there. there. Oh, that's excellent. Now, right. um, you're, have you found, I mean, like, are you finding more and more people, like, are you, What's going on with the cancer thing? Are you literally finding that you're reversing the diagnosis? How is it? What's going on with the health and what, you know, what we can say legitimately around this uh, thing that you're doing? When people call you, you do consultations. I, um, it's, people can request a consultation with you and, um, there's a fee for it, which I appreciate and I think there should be. Um, but have you, I know with my sister, with Debbie and Pierce, uh, it seems like Pierce has completely done a rebound. Um, is it, have you turned, have you reversed cancer? What are some of the things that you've noticed with the work you do with animals? Uh, yes, uh, we, in, in many cases, um, now here's, here's the problem is that most people have already gone to their vet. They've already done either some chemo or some radiation or surgery or something. And that makes it more difficult to work with an animal homeopathically but if the minute they get if the minute they get the diagnosis of cancer and they contact me and don't allow them to do a biopsy or anything just email me tell me what's going on with their animal i will send them a questionnaire they fill it out and and sometimes uh we can turn them around usually the problem is that it is too far along, and that's uh, and the reason for that is animals instinctively hide their ailments. Right. They're not like people who complain over every little thing, and especially <laughs> and especially cats. Um, and that's instinctive because if you're in the wild, you must pretend that you feel great. Otherwise, you become somebody else's prey. Right. That's brilliant. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Now, Pat, so do you work with... They, uh, can, go ahead. Sorry. 
so th- that's the, one of the main reasons is that usually dogs and cats are, you know, the cancer has already spread so that it's difficult. But I like to, tr- I like people to try. I mean, let's try and save them naturally through nutrition and homeopathy as opposed to putting them through chemo and radiation and they don't survive that. They don't. It's tough. And I hate it's got to see be the hard. animals suffer. Yeah, I hate to see the animals suffer through it. And some veterinarians will tell you that they don't suffer any pain like people do. That's not true. Ugh. Just because they don't moan and groan and carry on doesn't mean that they're not suffering in pain. They it's are very true. just like people. Yeah, that's very true. So what were you? Well, I was wondering, do you do you also work with horses or other animals too, or do you do mostly? I only work with carnivores, animals who eat meat. Okay, so I don't do any herbivores. So if Oliver gets sick, he can call you too, right? (laughs) 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 I bet you. I bet you would make. Go ahead. (laughs) I actually have a free ebook called Healthy Foods, Happy People. And I make suggestions for people um, to eat according to their blood type and to take my Bio-8 and CLO-3. And I'm telling you, you will people will see the difference within three or four days of I love taking that. my supplements. And I yeah. do love the blood type I did too. Pat, we're going to run out of time. I have a quick question. Do do animals have a blood type? Uh, they do. They, uh, dogs have, um, actually they have 14. Some of them are sub-blood types. But they are all carnivores. So okay, gotcha. So it's like... To- yeah. We don't need to differentiate. Okay. You are amazing. You are my hero. You've turned around the world for a ton of people. What I want to know is, would you come back and visit? Oh, I would love to. The more oh, we can yay. spread the word. Yeah. I mean, we've got a few million dogs and cats out there we need to help. So That's right. I love it. I'm going to make sure everybody <laughs> knows your website. You're an amazing woman. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all your risks and all the bravery that you've done to get us the knowledge that we need, Pat. You're my hero. I know you're the hero for a lot of people. We are going to invite you back. Thank you so much. I'll get your website stuff well, back up there one more round. Thank you for the opportunity. Talk to you, you soon. Bet. Bye, honey. Thank okay, you. Bye.